Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the Sick Podcast with Jeff Vogel. I'm John Vogel, and we are back for quarterbacks part two. We got we had a really good episode about linebackers. We're going to kind of follow that pattern that we started and get into some really good quarterback discussion. Shane, in the background, in the producer, doing a great job. Let's hit it. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to the Sick Podcast. The Sick Podcast. With Draft Vogel. With the first pick in the 2021 NFL Draft. The first pick in the 2022 NFL Draft. With the first pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. The sickest NFL Draft show. It's going to be sick. Welcome into the Sick Podcast with Draft Vogel. Sickest Draft podcast on the planet i'm john vogel the host and joining me now is our co-host as always mr justin gamble at gam scout on tw- on twitter x whatever you still refer to it as how are we doing man my back hurts because i'm 33 but i'm happy to be here buddy i'm happy to follow 33 last uh, week, so. you gotta hey you gotta start growing out the beard man you gotta pull the jesus thing off 33 i don't get <clears throat> i get a little patchy i don't know i can't do the whole beard like you but i like the facial hair <sighs> I like what you're doing. You know, the the only reason I can do it is because I haven't been to haven't reported to the military for a little while, and I got to. I was wondering. I think about I got. That. I got one more week. I got one more week <laughs> that I can keep growing it. I've already been warned to get rid of the mustache. Not happening. Not I'll happening at all. Nope. This is a mustache keep crew, it. baby. Yep. Absolutely going to keep it. Uh, so <laughs> I'll be back here, I guess, in two weeks with probably some stubble and a big giant mustache. But okay. hey, man, we got some we got some quarterbacks here to get into. So let's start breaking it down. You had a really great set of notes uh, for this one. So we're going to go ahead and start with the philosophy and some of uh, what we're, what the NFL is usually looking for in the process. So philosophy, what are you looking for in a quarterback, Justin? And then I'll follow up. Well, <clears throat> this this question came to me because I was. Looking again, I always do the thing where we go through each position group. I look through like draft history and I look who was drafted in what order and just try to see what kind of makes sense. Because a lot of fans and people and friends will always ask me, like, how does the NFL do this? How does the NFL do that? And with quarterbacks, it's especially confusing because when you look at the recent busts, when you look at the recent guys that have had success and you look at the order certain people were taken, just confusing as hell. Um, so I was kind of going through thinking about what my philosophy is and like in, you know, Mine is not the same as the teams will be, but I just try to watch live games first, let the emotions of the game take you over and kind of see who flashes, 
who shows poise, who shows calmness on tape, then who shows some production, who's winning games, but not really who's winning games, but who's keeping their teams competitive and actually looking like they can move the ball in rhythm and deliver with accuracy, stuff like that. You kind of just want to see who's actually looks good. It's I think it's a lot simpler than some people make it. Who looks good? Um, and then from there, you got to do your research and kind of see what year this player is as a starter. Did he transfer in? Is this his first year? Who's the OC? Um, there's a lot more that goes into the background of just like what's actually in front of you as well. And so like for Drake May, I think he's had a nice clean path. He did change offensive coordinators this year, but he came in. He was recruited by North Carolina. He won the job as a sophomore, balled yeah, out. Retro freshman. Out. Yep. Yep. Or retro, yeah, okay, academic mm-hmm. sophomore, and now here we are. Um, but a lot of other guys, it's different. So it's just for me, I, I really want to see who flashes initially. And then I kind of break down. From there, I, I start with my checklist of arm strength, accuracy, mobility, all that other stuff. But I think it's really important to just kind of watch the live games first and see who kind of stands out. Because when you dive in and watch all 22 without knowing anything about these players, it's so confusing sometimes. So I would encourage yeah. a lot of people, just watch the games. Just see who looks good. And then you don't have to form your big opinions off of that. But go in thinking, okay, I've seen what he does live. I've seen now – let's, now let's look at the stat sheet and see what actually transpired on paper. And then we'll kind of start breaking down his game by game, what he did against certain defenses. Does he really have all the arm talent that we think he does? Is he making all the throws? Does he struggle outside the numbers? Blah, blah, blah. Go from there. But I think just start slow and then work your way in with more nuance. Yeah, I think that's fair. For me, I think the first thing I want to figure out about a quarterback is what what type of a quarterback is he? I think you got three main archetypes, you know. You've got a strong arm, you've got a rhythm and timing passer, and you've got an athlete. And sometimes yeah. those cross, sometimes those intersect, right? But for the most part, quarterbacks kind of fall into those three categories. Big arm, athlete, and timing and rhythm passer. And then from there, I, I'll kind of want to figure out what is it that they do well, right? You know, what is it right. that they do well? I'm kind of looking at traits. I'm looking at different things. I'm looking for where if if I'm looking at him for an NFL standpoint, does he have big time traits? You know, to be successful the next at the next level. You know, we've seen guys come in the league over the years that didn't have a great arm, and they did they did fine in the league. You know, Peyton Manning won two Super Bowls and was an MVP and had all kinds yeah. of great stuff. He didn't have a great arm. He had a noodle arm compared to a lot of quarterbacks in the league. Joe Burrow, same thing this year. You know, that was the one I remember. I always bring this up because I'm so <laughs> <laughs> I have to. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, you didn't like Joe Burrow coming out because you were worried about. I love Joe Burrow. I just there was questions about his arm, and when he threw outside the numbers at LSU, it was awful. It was rough. You, all, you also you know? said you wouldn't take him first overall. Yeah, no, I didn't. I did say that. I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't so, have. Yeah, you didn't love Joe Burrow. You, you would have taken Tua Tagovailoa above him. So you know, yeah. which Tua Tua is Tua is a good quarterback. Just you know, hey, yeah, it's okay. No, it's okay. He's no We're Joe not going to hold that he's one. No Joe Burrow. We're not going to hold that. We're, we might hold the Davis uh, Webb thing over Patrick Mahomes against you, but shout out yeah, to what uh, takes exposed. <laughs> yes, thank you guys. Twenty sixteen <laughs> comes back. <laughs> well, that's the funny thing. A lot of these things are like a lot of these tweets you send. Are like you know pre like it's it's so far before either of them became anything, and you're just watching like some you know early reps or something, and then you're like you know I'm just gonna put my thoughts out there. That's a mistake. Don't put your honest thoughts out there on the internet because people <laughs> will find them and they will crucify you for them. Do not share your process early on. That's what I've learned. 
<laughs> yeah, that was your second appearance, I think, on old old takes exposed. So, oh, I'm sure I've had quite a few, bro. I, I can only think of two off the top of my head. But anyways, I haven't made it on there yet. Believe it or not, no and way. And you say some prob- weird stuff. Well, my you my weird stuff usually turns out right. <laughs> Come like, on. I mean, I can only roll my eyes so hard. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, yeah. No, I I haven't made it on there yet. I haven't I haven't hit that that status. But uh, no. So once you kind of figure out the archetype, you can figure out. All right, are they elite in this archetype? Right. Are they great in this archetype? Are they good in this archetype? And you just kind of break it down into those tiers. I think uh, a lot of people they they get so caught up on different things. I think Trey Lance is a great example of people yeah. getting caught up in the quarterback and the little things and looking at the big traits and not paying attention to the overall picture. You know, and that's why I wasn't a big fan of his projection coming out. I don't I know you weren't either. But it was because, you know, you got a guy that has only so many reps. He's running in a, you know, very run heavy style of offense and didn't have a lot of multiple route combinations that he was throwing to. A lot of times off of play action. Yeah. So, you know, that type of offense typically, you know, that that type of quarterback play doesn't translate well to the NFL when you have to be able to do everything. We're seeing that with Justin Fields right now. You know, his his feet, his mechanics, different things about him are still messed up. He's got the athletic ability to make up for it. Hopefully is what you're hoping. You're going to hope that's going to win games. But you're seeing that because, you know, when you put him and Tyson Bajant next to each other on the field, I mean, Bajant is by far looking like a more polished passer than Justin Fields, who's been in the league now for two years, and this is his third. So, you know, I think that you want to look at, hey, are they really good at this archetype? And if they're really good at this archetype, then go ahead and roll with it. The other thing I think is to be a legitimate franchise quarterback, you have to have two elite traits. And if you look at all the top quarterbacks right now, you can point to two things that they do at the quarterback position in the league that are better than that are elite. You know, they're top three, top five in these categories. You know, Patrick Mahomes, it's his arm strength and it's his improv. When you got uh, Joe Burrow, it's timing and rhythm and really just understanding defenses. You know, being yeah. smart, having the, that intelligence. Uh, and you can talk about his mechanics, too. His mechanics are f- almost flawless. When you talk about Jalen Hurts, it's athletic ability and, honestly, his improv, his running, like, you know, his ability to keep, to create things outside of the pocket on top of knowing how to read a defense. He's one of the best with, at that. I think with Jalen, I would almost say his poise. Because when you watch him and then yeah. you watch, you know, Josh Allen – um, Holmes, maybe even Lamar. You're, there's definitely a difference with those three than what Jalen does. But when you watch Jalen, he won't do anything crazy, crazy flashy. But he's never – he doesn't look stressed. He doesn't look like any – like his blood pressure just stays the same, and you're never going to mm-hmm. rattle him. And I think that's, that's what really surprised me about him. I'm just like, he's not – he doesn't have a big arm. He's not fast. He's not twitchy. He's not overly light – like there's nothing about him where you're like, gee, like that's – Elite I mean, physical. he ran a four, five, two. But it's like one. He, he's he's fast in a straight line, but he kind of needs that runway. Like he's not a guy who you're just like, oh, he's twitched up. Oh he's yeah, not, yeah, no, 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 no. He's, he's just not that he's, guy. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. But yeah. again, kudos to Jalen. He is just so calm and so poised. You, you remember? This is getting off a little bit, but just to make a point about his running. You remember when Derrick Henry? When you watch him run. He doesn't look like he's running that fast until yeah, he's like, like going past people <laughs> that he shouldn't be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, they're similar. They're similar, like heavy footed, like long, similar heavy footed, like long stride thing where 
Yeah, they and, don't and look Julio was the same way. Julio Jones, you know, was yeah. the same way as a receiver where it didn't look like he was running that fast until you just watch him blow by a corner and then you're like, oh, he's flying, <laughs> you know? What the hell happened? <laughs> yeah, it's a Bama thing, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. We won't get into that. But anyway, but that's yeah. my point is we, I think to be an elite quarterback in the NFL, you have to have two traits that you just do top three, top five in the league better than anybody. And then you have guys that have elite traits that are really good at one thing, and they manage to stick around in the league for a long time. You know, the, the Kirk Cousins. Um, I'm trying to think of other guys that have stuck around in the, the Dak yeah, Prescott. I mean, the, I'd know. even argue maybe Lamar Jackson right now because he hasn't turned yeah. out to be the passer people hoped he would have. He hasn't turned out to be the guy who really does anything throwing the ball extraordinarily. He's not bad, but he's not extraordinary. But, I mean, I think he's such an otherworldly athlete where he can live on that, and he's just smart enough to where he knows what he's – he's a cerebral quarterback, but I just think his passing has not come the lengths it needs to yet. Yeah, you wouldn't you, – you don't want to put him in a pocket and make him throw from the pocket, and we've seen right. that before in a lot of games on national TV. Right. You know, at certain points of his career when they tried to make him sit back there – and throw it wasn't the yeah. same because of the stress that he puts on a defense with his athleticism and i think you're kind of seeing the same thing with justin you know in the preseason week three they're having him do these you know five you know seven step drops <laughs> and he's heavy footed going through them and you're and he's taking them forever to just to get through the drop and you're just like golly why are you doing you no know, yeah. you need to get this guy moving out of the pocket you got to have him in the shotgun taking snaps like i understand you want to have different looks and different things, but man, five, seven step drops, good luck. That's that's not going to be something you want to keep him doing all the time. And yeah. so, you know, that's one thing that the, the hopefully we will not see the Bears do so much in the regular season. But that's you know the same type of quarterback where you got a guy that's yeah. an elite athlete and the stress that you put on a defense with your athletic ability helps you make up for any deficiencies you have as a actual thrower. Yeah, um, it might yeah. it might keep him around longer than it should and i think that so like i have another group chat where we talk about uh like trump cards when you're going through quarterbacks that are coming out of college you say like what are their nfl level trump cards because a lot of guys are good at certain things but like what's going to allow them to win against nfl players um and i think fields coming out had obviously the athleticism Mm -hmm. he had arm talent or he had arm strength but i think his passing was so weak and so elementary that i was like you know you can throw the ball 100 yards but it doesn't help when you don't have accuracy when you don't have timing when your delivery is awful when your release is awful when you just don't understand what you're seeing and can't read the field it's not a trump card yet i think his main thing was the athleticism but i think that's transpired so far like last season was just him out athleting 11 defensive players every single snap for the most part and then when they asked for a thousand yards yeah yeah when they, but then when they asked him to throw you're like ah, i wouldn't go that route you know what I mean? Like, but you don't want to keep him as the runner. So I think they're in a weird spot this season of like, if the running is so successful or can we can make it successful and win games with it, do we do it? Or do we really try and hammer in some passing trades into this guy and make him able to throw the ball? But what if you don't succeed doing that? It's that's a weird middle ground for them, and I don't I don't envy the coaching staff over there because they have a well they've they've got an undrafted free agent rookie that's absolutely biting at the bit right now yep. that has a legit shot. Uh, so who John loves? Know, 
He's looked good in the yeah. preseason, dude. He's looked calm. Yeah. He's on time. He knows what he's doing, yeah. which is weird for a guy with his background. Tyson Badgett has looked good, and that's yeah, yeah. Ba- Bajan. I don't it rhymes ba- with agent. Yeah, agent. Tyson the yep. agent Bajan. Yeah, whatever. He, yep. he looks good. He looks good. Yeah. No, and you know, the best part of watching, and this is before we, you know, like before we move on to the next thing that you want to get into. Like the best thing is observing different things about him on tape, observing different things about him at the senior bowl, sitting down with him, having that conversation, breaking down that, letting him break down that tape, show me his process, showing me his play recall. I gave him, I gave him, I said this a million times. I'm going to keep preaching this, this story. I gave him a game. I think it was their third game of the year. I gave him the quarter. I gave him the time on the clock. And I said, what happened that play? And I wish, I swear, I wish I had this on camera, but I didn't want to potentially embarrass him, you know? And so, uh, no, dude, he told me the play call. He told me exactly what happened on the play, what he was thinking. And I didn't show him anything. I just gave him the time in the game. That was it. That's crazy. And he brought it right back up. And I was like, dude, (laughs) dude, like, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like this kid, I don't, I don't even want to call him a kid. He's, he's a young man. He is yeah, right. so yeah. he is such a great football mind, you know, and, and to see that starting to blossom immediately coming in uh, is exciting. It's so cool. It's, yeah. it's so exciting. We've seen it be but, done before. I mean, you know, Tony next Romo. Tony Romo, Tony Romo. Yeah, exactly. Like, there you go. Next Tony Romo. So, you know, exception, not the rule, but it's not like it's never going to happen again or can't. So we'll see. So uh, you wanted to talk also on some examples of a good and a bad process. And the first name that you've got there is a really good one to talk about with good versus bad processes of looking at a quarterback and and figuring out what their process is. In fact, there was just a a documentary on Netflix that came out. I don't know if you've seen it. I watched it about this player. It's it's pretty good. I don't want to say it's fantastic because – you do kind of get some idea at the end that maybe he's not completely as recovered as he's trying to say he is. But Johnny Manziel is a perfect example of a good versus bad process. Uh, that entire draft class, the quarterback position, honestly, right. is it was just full of guys that had some potential. And I think guys got overdrafted due to the lack of legitimate potential that these quarterbacks had. Um, so when you talk about a guy like Mansell, that's one of those guys you put on the game, like you're saying, I mean, he's a God, he is a football God. You're watching him pull off incredible things that you tell quarterbacks never to do. And he pulls them off and gets away (laughs) with it over and over and over and over again. He was something else. That was an incredible, that his run honestly is what really got me on top of several other things. It was all sort of, it all kind of clashed at once. But his run got me into college football because before that, I was really just an NFL guy. He made college football so exciting. And what he did to Bama was, what, two years in a row? Or why, at least no, one, I think it was, it was the first year. 20? Yeah, it was the first year. Okay. Yeah. What he did to Bama that year was outrageous. I mean, he made Nick Saban just, dude, I thought Nick Saban was going to explode on the sideline. He's going to um, have a heart attack. And it was such BS backyard football. It made no sense to watch. <laughs> Like, I, I can't imagine watching that being new to football or watching football and trying to understand what was going on. And then you're thinking, like, is this 
American football. Like, what if what if you're a foreigner and you come over and watch a, an A and M game and you're trying to like understand a new sport, like I would, you know, like rugby or something I don't know about, and you're watching Johnny Manziel out there, you got to be thinking to yourself, this is what like there's no way. How do how how do they how do they do this? Like, what is what's the blueprint for this sport? How do they cope? I don't know, but he's out there, and, th- and this is a prime example of what I was saying earlier. Watch the sport live, okay? Have fun with that. Then go back and say, all right, what are we really looking for? What translates to the NFL? He had way too big of feet. He wasn't fast, but he was a little jitterbug. He had a weak arm. He read the field like an amateur. I mean, he's just out there snapping the ball, throwing YOLO balls to Mike Evans, throwing late, throwing back across the field. He never watched tape anyways, so, you know, yeah. he didn't know what he was up against. Exactly, and it showed. He snapped the ball, and you can tell he has no idea what he's doing, but he's going to wing it. Luckily, he was such a crazy – I don't want to say overall athlete because he wasn't like – He's just an improviser. That's what he yeah, was. Yeah, he wasn't like he was Lamar or Justin Fields level where you're like, ooh, big, elite speed, elite strength. It wasn't. It was just a kid that was making grown men look insane trying to catch him but he wasn't anything special physically um and i think once you know you break that down it's not that good of an nfl prospect i spoke to ray farmer too at the combine i've shared the story and i don't know if i should say it again out loud but he was talking about his process with johnny manziel and how they really didn't watch him um on tape like at any point they like the Ray Farmer did not watch Johnny Manziel. He was just like, yeah, like he's exciting. He's going to sell tickets. Some of the scouts were like, do it. And he's like, screw it. Yeah, like he's Johnny Manziel. Let's go. Bro, he didn't watch tape. He didn't try. He didn't care. He drank too much. He did. Like, what are you doing? And that's a bad, that's an example of a bad process. Probably similar to Jamarcus Russell. When you can tell the kid is super talented, but he doesn't care about football and he doesn't try. You can't draft him top whatever. I think Johnny Manziel went 22nd. But you can't yeah. take these first round. You might not be able to take them, period, because you can draft them first round or seventh round, and if they don't care and they don't try, why would they succeed? And he didn't, obviously. You know, And yes. if you've seen the documentary, which I still haven't, but we know what happened now. And it, it, that's- I, I, I'm still just mind-blown by this. Ray Farmer said that they didn't watch tape. Now, he break down he, real quick. He, he, he said, I did not watch Johnny Menzel. Bro, you're the so, GM that drafted him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Break the, make sure that people understand Ray Farmer was the general manager of the Cleveland Browns yes. who drafted Johnny Menzel. It never he said, watched I didn't him. watch him. Yes. And it was at a, it was at a, a small conference that we went to, and he was one of the speakers. And I don't mean to embarrass him or blast, you know, but I'm just sharing what I heard. Out loud. Yeah, no, if he, like, share, if he shared that publicly, then, you know, I, yeah, think, he, I like, think we're privy to that. I think we're good. Do so, do. no, that's holy cow! Like that's crazy. Yeah, that's a that is a perfect example of a bad process. You can't take but a guy and just go, oh yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, but that's a true testament to like the character Johnny Manziel was and what he meant to football back in those days. Like he was a Jesus out there and publicly mm-hmm. and for ticket sale. I mean, it was just he was a side like he was a circus in a good way, I guess. But it was just something that everyone had to tune in and watch. So. Yeah, that's but hashtag, hashtag bad process. It was not <laughs> the quarterback <laughs> taken before him in that draft is another one you wanted to break down a little bit. And that was Blake Bortles from UCF, went yeah. to the third overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
And it was a shocker when he came off the board because a lot of, I think a lot of people didn't really know who Blake Bortles was when he went he right. got drafted. I so, think he was MVP of his bowl game. He was six five, two thirty five. He had a bat. He had an average arm, average at best. Mm-hmm. Uh, he couldn't throw a spiral to save his life. He had the worst windup you've ever seen. He was kind of mobile, but he wasn't fast. Uh, he operated what they call pro style systems, but eh. um, I think he was a little older. I forget how old he was when he came out, but maybe twenty one, twenty two, twenty three, something like that. I know he had established himself as like a man to the NFL teams, and. Um, he goes third overall, shouldn't have. And we all saw what happened with him at the Jaguars. I mean, the guy could barely throw a football. And that's that, what quarterbacks do. That Pittsburgh, <laughs> like, that Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers game, you know, <laughs> in the playoffs where they, they somehow pull it out. And I think it was the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? Or was it the week before the Steelers where he was like, he threw for 65 yards and ran for like 70 Yes, it was, that was a, was, that a, was that a playoff game? That was playoff. Game. It was a playoff game. Maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. it was okay, Buffalo. Yeah, yeah. It was Buffalo, wasn't it? Because it was Doug Marone going up against his old team. That's what it was. It was Buffalo, and uh, their defense literally carried him to victory, and he was able to kind of pull a Tebow and win the game at the end of the at, at, at the end. Yes, he was right-handed Tim Tebow, and I mean it was so evident on tape back at UCF. Like the guy can't throw; all his balls sail flutter wobble die they don't arrive they flutter to the target it didn't make sense but i think they saw six five mobile strong got comparisons to ben roethlisberger somehow and i think the jaguars said like you know this this man this big man is going to be the face of our franchise but if he can't throw the ball how is that going to work you know what i mean and Um, if you look at that offense they designed when he went for like almost four thousand yards passing and 35 touchdowns that year. I think it was his second year after yeah. his rookie year. When they um, made that playoff run uh, with their crazy defense or something, was that that? No, it wasn't. This was before the playoff run, wasn't it? I think it was before. Uh, I want to say it was before the playoff run this happened. You might be right. And you might be right. It, but they had, they had three really solid receivers, and I think Justin Blackman was there. Maybe D.D. Westbrook was like the three. Alan, no, was he there? I can't remember. Oh, uh, I, mean, I guess Marquise Lee was there. Yes. Game. Well, they right. had they had a group of guys that they were able to sort of point and throw scheme him, right? I think yes. before Kyle Shanahan made it something that was almost a necessity that half the league is now running. Um, yeah. They were able to scheme things up really well. They had Leonard Fournette running the ball, I think. The, I think that was his rookie year. And... Yeah, they were. They had that great defense that was able to make things happen. I, th- I don't think they were ultra successful, but people were like, "Oh, maybe this Blake Bortles guy is somebody," because he had a good year. Yeah, and that crashed you know? and burned quickly, you know, because he's he right. didn't have staying power. He wasn't able to throw simply throw the ball, and uh, I think that's another example of just you know bad process. But there is examples too of good process or guys that you would think, "How the hell did they not succeed?" And that was the third name I texted you. I don't know if you saw. Oh, yeah. I Maybe saw I didn't even. I got them all. <laughs> what? Brian Brom. I want to talk about Brian Brom. Do you remember him? Yeah. So Brian Brom was like, before I was watching college football, I was collecting football cards. And there were a shit ton of them in 2008 uh, of Brian Brom as his rookie year. Yeah. So that's the only reason I know Brian Brom is. So you're going to have to take the lead on this one. <laughs> okay. So Brian Brom. 
He was, I believe he's a coach's son. He set a ton of records at Louisville. Came out into 08, uh, or was it 08? 07. I don't yeah. Know. Uh, 07 or 08. Uh, it was one of those. Which, Wh- whichever year it was, there were a ton of rookie cards. I mean, I, yeah. like they were just, they, it was like, a, they, they were all over him. I remember that was the year where like, the NFL draft was starting to really just get big popularity. Big. Like, yeah. yes, huge. Anyway, big dude, 6'3", I think, like 220, big arm, set records at Louis- Louisville. Um, ran an okay system over there. Everyone considered it, you know, decent, pro, whatever. I don't know. It was there. Was, I heard some mixed reviews on the whole thing with whatever. But uh, I rewatched his draft video the other day when he got drafted and they got uh, Mayock or McShay, a bunch of guys up there talking. He, the Packers took him in round two. Um, on the uh, stream, they're talking about, you know, this guy is going to replace Aaron Rodgers. He's more creative <laughs> than he's more creative than Aaron Rodgers. His arm is better. Um, you know, he's a smarter kid. He's shown it on film because he didn't run the Jeff Tedford system at Cal like Aaron Rodgers did. He just does everything better. He's an upgraded version of Aaron Rodgers. And McShay on the air on ESPN or whatever said, "Yeah, I gave him a higher grade." Um, than Aaron Rodgers. It was right around Aaron Rodgers, but a little higher. On, I remember thinking, like, this guy, you know, he's got to be good. He's a good player. I watched him play at Louisville. He does everything right. He looks good. There's nothing he can't do. And then the more I watched his career, and now looking back, it's one of those things where I'm not really sure what went wrong with him, but he simply just didn't have it. He didn't last at the Packers. I forget where he went after that. I should have written it down. I forget. But it was just one of those guys that fizzled out slowly. And you really don't know what went down, but you look back and think, well, I don't really know what the process was, was bad, but he did bust. Do you know what I mean? And I think we see a lot of that where guys just kind of fizzle. And that's probably, I. ever since Joe Burrow, I've really taken note of this. Some guys don't have the physical ability, but they are competitors and they're the Joe Burrows who will make sure that they do every, everything they can control, they're going to do correct. Everything they can control uh, intangibly, they're going to do correct. And then there's guys that, like Brian Brom, who are not Jamarcus Russell or Johnny Manziel. They probably care about football. They probably want to be good at football. But I think they're just not up to it. They're not the competitors week to week that the Burrow or the Hertz is or the Josh Allen. And, and it, they just kind of fizzle out. There's so many like that. And um, I do think, too, the NFL's changed now where a lot of guys now are starting to stick around for a certain period of time, like Matt Schaub. If you're consistent enough and you're just smart enough and you can do just enough, you're going to stick around the league. But in the past, it was like, if you're not good, get the hell out. Get the hell out. Like, you're done. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the NFL's changed so much where now we adapt systems to quarterbacks. We can look at a guy and think, ah, he's not that great, but we're going to adapt what we have to him. We're back. You know, I remember Brandon Whedon coming out of Oklahoma State. He was like 28 or something when he got drafted in the first round. Yep. Played he baseball. Comes- Yep. Yes, he comes out after breaking records at Oklahoma State with Justin Blackman. He ran a, you know, air raid offense out there with Gundy. He comes out and I forget. Oh, the Browns. The Browns tried to force him into some weird pro style system that he had never even kind of seen that forced him to change his timing, change his footwork, change his drop. And he busted. Well, of course he did. He's never seen anything like this. But I think the NFL has gotten a lot better about saying, this is our guy, so we have to adapt what we do to him versus, you know, versus the other way around and just letting these guys bust because they've never seen anything like what we're throwing at them. Yeah, and there's two reasons for that, and I think number one is, first off, that's one of those trickle-up things from high school into college into the pros because that's what they, they've been doing for 
decades in high school. Yeah. You got a, you got an athlete at quarterback. You, you build, you make an offense for that. You know, it's just now we have a whole lot more different offenses we can run. When we got yeah. an athlete, it's not just straight up triple option anymore. Uh, you got it, it, you know, and so that trickled up. The other one is, is look at how deep defenses are. You know, it, with the, the rotations you can run on the defensive front with, you know, the personnel mixings, the disguise coverages you can run, all this stuff that we didn't see a whole, whole lot. You know, where a quarterback used to be able to sit back, run through his one, two, three progression, go to the check down, whatever, right? And what kind of happened was, as all these co- as all these colleges are adapting their offenses to fit professional like these these play these players and their style, they start getting away from that professional format because that's a really hard thing to do to go through a one two three read and then do yeah. a check down in three seconds. You know, so that's since that's so difficult to do, we've had to adapt offenses and quarterbacks, you know, to to fit something simpler to get the ball out. Uh, and it can't be too simple. It can't be a one read because we got a lot of one read guys that don't pan out in the NFL because they're one read. And then, but you got, but you have to have some sort of key that you're going off of. And the best thing to have a key going off of is the defense. What is the defense doing? You know, so it's a lot easier to teach a quarterback how to read a defense than it is to continue that study and go, okay, here's what you're going to do now with the one, two, three read, blah, blah, blah. You know, with your progression read like that. I'm sure there's still systems that still teach that. Maybe I'm sure there are in the league. Yeah. It's just that that's a very difficult thing to have a guy do, and we ask people to do it for decades in the NFL. And and the best guys were able to do it. The guys that couldn't, they said, "Get get out, get out. You're bad. Yeah. You're terrible. You're no good." Yeah. And that's what's changed, right? That's what's changed. So. I want to go back to Brian Brom for a second because I was trying to pull up his draft scout and that may have been before. I don't know if draft scout, if they've messed up the page on it or what, but there was no link that came up. What I did find was an article, like a little scouting report written by Robert Davis, who says that Brom has it all from a physical standpoint, talked about some of the things that he can do. The only real knock on Brom is his durability towards ACL sophomore was hurt twice last year as a junior. It says Brom, consi- uh, Brom considered leaving for the NFL last year where he was likely a first-rounder. Nothing has really changed this season. He looks like he will be the second quarterback selected, and he still should be a first-round pick. If he slides out of the top 15, somebody may be getting a steal. Put top that 15. on old takes exposed. Top 15? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I remember watching the guy. He was fantastic, you know, and, and all the analysts were saying, you know, this guy's better than Aaron Rodgers. He's more creative. He's got the arm talent. He's got everything you could want from the neck up. It seems like he's got it figured out. And he just fizzled out, you know? Like, it was just like he came in now, and no one He's related to He's related to Jeff, isn't he? Yes, yes. The That's brothers, son, right? Or... It's not a son. Or not son, sorry. The brothers, the son. I think. Brothers, I think so. Yeah, I, know yeah, I thought they were coaches' sons, too. Yeah, they might. They might have because because Jeff had the famous career, obviously, in the XFL, the first XFL. You know where he, uh, yeah, he had the he got rocked on a play and started a fight or something. I don't remember exactly, but he, I know he had the legendary career there. Now, okay, we start talking about guys. You know, like like you've just hit on a bunch of guys that have been able to stay in the league and maintain success. You know. 
um, you said why certain classes went the way they did. Like Lamar and Josh Allen are really the only two good quarterbacks that came out of the 2018 class. Yeah. You look at Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold. Who else was in that? Mason Rudolph. Josh Josh Rosen. Rosen. There you go. Yeah. So this was supposed, 2018 was supposed to be the best year ever for you know, like quarterbacks. Like this is the best class we've seen in forever. Baker goes one, Darnold goes three. Um, Rosen went eight, right? To my, to, was it Miami or Arizona? 10, 10 to Arizona, I think. 10 to Arizona. I couldn't remember. I couldn't, I knew that he was in Miami like the next year and I couldn't remember which, yeah, you know. which one he was at first. <laughs> And yeah, then you got <laughs> Josh went seven then, and Lamar went thirty two, and so and then Mason Rudolph went the second round. But when you look at that class, why did that class go the way that it did afterwards? Well, I think it's funny. Like we talk about process, we talk about uh, what it takes to succeed in the NFL, and then we, you know, you you think these like consistent pocket passers would have an easy time just go out there you look the same probably for most systems for any team the darnolds the rosens the may the baker mayfields just be the pocket passer you are just do the simple things be consistent but then you look at josh allen and lamar jackson two freak athletes one of them has insane arm talent insane size the other one's the best athlete playing the position since vic he also has a strong arm he's not a good deep ball thrower but we'll get into that another time but these two guys are like outlier athletes and I think their teams have gone out of their way to really embrace that. And so we see the two guys who were considered the most raw as passers come out. And these two are the ones that are franchise guys. And the three that seemed not like locks to be good, but you're like, I don't really know. Like, why would they bust? Just be who you are. Sam Darnold looked like a guy who kind of was like a Tony Romo clone here and there. He could make plays. He had good arm talent. He seemed consistently accurate. Josh Rosen looked like the prototype pocket passer, kind of like a Matt Ryan. Um, not really much of a mobile guy, but accurate, smart, can deliver the ball on time and rhythm, accurate. Like there's nothing that he does where you're like, and eh, this won't work. And then Baker Mayfield, he was the first overall pick. He had a big arm. He was fiery. We thought he could improvise. I didn't, but he people thought he could improvise. And he's had a weird career of bouncing around and trying to figure out if he's ever going to succeed, you know, and now he's starting for the Bucks, and I'm like, will this revive his career? Even if it does get revived, what does he really look like? How good is he? Because he's, to me, he's average. I think his ceiling is not that high. So the NFL decided to take Lamar fifth in that class, fourth? Yep, fifth. Yep. Fifth. Fifth. And Josh Allen went after yep. Baker and Darnold, right? Mm -hmm. And Rosen? Nope. No, just Baker and four rows. Just Baker and yep. Okay. Yep. So it, it's it's another good example of this is a crapshoot. Sometimes, how <laughs> do you know? How do you know when to bet on the traits? How do you know when to bet on the trump cards? And how do you know when to say like this guy's solid? We know what we're getting with him. Take that. And I, I you know, and I don't really know. You probably have a better take on this philosophy type stuff than I would, or a better way to articulate it. Because for me, it's just kind of dumbfounding when I look at that class, like. Would I, if I could go back, would it, was it, would it have been smart to take Lamar first, second? Um, you know, where do you take Josh the Allen? The, yeah, the difference is you got Lamar is a has to be in a specific system. And if you're going to go into that system, you have to sell out for it. I think Baltimore was literally the only team willing to do that. 
Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's why you had yeah. the Colts guys sitting there going, I think Bill Polian said he's a wide receiver, you know, or running yeah. back. Um, there was all that, there was all that discussion that was going on at the time. But with, I think when you have a quarterback like that, you have to build that system for him to get him and you have to sell out with it. That means you got to go out and you got to get the personnel. And if you look, they kind of started to set that up kind of like a, well, if Flacco's kind of done, then maybe we might need to play this guy. And we kind of want to have yeah. some tools, you know, some depth, at the running back position and start kind of getting some bigger guys in here on the offensive line that are just maulers. And they started to kind of build for it. And then as soon as they moved on from Flacco and it was Jackson's club, they, they sold out. They went and they were like, yeah. okay, we're going to be running two running backs, two tight ends. You know, we're going to be doing these crazy different things from these formations and letting him use that athleticism to get around. Whereas when you look at some of the other guys, you know, like Baker, I remember, was elite off of play action, particularly play action bootleg. Yeah. So it's like Baker needed to have a run game to really let him be able to do his game, which is get outside the pocket and make throws on the move. That's what he does really yeah. well. But that's it. That's really all that he does really well. Um, yeah. I actually have a theory and, and I actually have a hypothesis for this theory and we're going to get to see this year. We have a much better idea this year. If this is an actual, like I'll have some data for it, but okay. I've spoken with different guys about Lincoln Riley's scheme, which Baker Mayfield came out of, right? Which is, it's yeah. a very simplistic scheme for the most part. Uh, you're running four verts most of the time. And what you're doing off of four verts is you have a couple option routes here and there that you can kind of run, you know, where maybe you take an inside release. Maybe you got two guys busting the seam. Maybe you get, you can hurt, you can curl. Like if you've got, you know, 10 yard off coverage, that kind of stuff. And so Lincoln Riley's scheme needs an elite quarterback to be successful. Look at all the quarterbacks he's had come through. When he started at Oklahoma, who was the quarterback? Does anybody even remember? Oh, Andrew Jones? No, I don't even remember. I was like Trevor Trevor Knight. Trevor Knight was the quarterback before Baker took over. That was the first one? That was Lincoln Riley's first quarterback. Okay, so Trevor Knight is the quarterback. They're a 7-5 team. They they win a bowl game because Trevor is just a Tebow-esque type leader. 8-5. Baker comes in, and now all of a sudden they're winning 10 games a year. He was an elite college quarterback. Let's be straight about that. From the college side, he was elite. Okay, so after that, you get Kyler Murray. You get Jalen Hurts. You get Spencer Rattler. You get Caleb Williams. And Rattler kind of fumbled, which kind of makes you your point even that much better. Is Rattler seems like he would be an elite college quarterback, but he wasn't, and he's the one who got replaced. He kind of fumbled the bag over there for Lincoln. And that kind and of that's what Caleb Caleb puts in. But no, here's even more perspective. Because Spencer goes to South Carolina this year, this past year. Yeah. And he struggles through the first yeah. nine games. And then all of a sudden, it clicks. Those last three. He puts up really impressive performances those last three. Yeah. And they're not running Lincoln schemes out there. They're not going, hey, we're going to just copy what Lincoln Riley does. They're not doing that. Mm-hmm. I think that it takes time for a quarterback that's been under Lincoln Riley to adjust to a specific system. 
Now, I mean, if, if Spencer comes yeah. out here this year and balls out with South Carolina, it's just going to prove my point even more because now we see that it took him half a season, more than half a season to adjust to an actual offense where you're making some actual reads and you're actually doing different things and not just going out there and improvising. Yeah. And Caleb Williams, is, it, I mean, I was watching Caleb from this past week against San Jose State. I mean, that's all they do, bro, is they, yeah. they improvise. And he's great What's, at it. It's either a set read and throw or it's a good luck and have fun. Like, improvise. Yeah. Yeah, and does that because it's that four verts. With his, does that give you pause with his evaluation? Like, what do you? Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. You know, okay. and and that's why because I got roasted because I, I put Drake May as my number one quarterback in this class over Caleb yeah. Williams, and I said I I even said it's a one A one B to me. Yeah, because when I see when I see Drake, I see elite improvisation. I see an elite arm. Just do. Yeah. When I see Caleb, I see an elite arm. I see elite improvisation. The difference is North Carolina is running an actual system. They're actually they're running an offensive system that is complex. It has a lot of different you know designs, a lot of different schemes in it. Whereas Caleb is running this four vert system where it's like go, just go, like just go. Yeah, that's all it yeah. is. Yeah, and and so that does give me pause about Caleb. And we're not even gonna get into the Caleb stuff with the paint and fingernails, you know, fuck Utah before that game, that kind of stuff. Like yeah. I'm not even going to get into all that. There's some, there's but some maturity questions with him for sure. There's, there's some, I don't know about this guy. Like that's a, maybe the teammates like it. I don't know. Maybe that's yeah. great in South California. I don't know, but I'm that's a weird place going, down there. So. <laughs> I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know, man. Like I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm cautious. Whereas when yeah. I see Drake, I'm like, I really like Drake, man. I just do. Yeah. I like everything that he does. I know that he makes mistakes. I want to see some of those mistakes cleaned up this year. But that's that's kind of what I'm seeing when with this 2018 class is you got guys that were good at one thing. Mm-hmm. They had the trump card, as you described. You know, for Baker, it was the play-action bootleg. For Sam Darnold, it was – that's a great question. I don't know what it was with Sam. I was never a big fan of him. And for Josh, I wasn't a big fan of Josh either. And it was really because he couldn't move. Allen? Yeah, Rosen. Yeah, Rosen. Okay. I wasn't, I wasn't a big fan of Allen early on, until I saw yeah. his. I saw him at the. I saw him in his last game, the yeah. the potato bowl in Boise. And then I watched him at the combine, and it was like he looks a lot better throwing that ball. But it's a combine, no pads. And then he came out there at his pro day, and all everything with his pro day was all about his feet. And it was like looking at night and day difference between that Boise yeah. that Boise game that. and his pro day. And when yeah. I saw that, I saw the work that he put in on that and how serious he was taking it. I was like, "Oh yeah, he's gonna be a star." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I flip tune like right like that. Um, and then Lamar, I wasn't a fan. Lamar's probably my biggest miss. Yeah. I was one. Of, I was in the running back camp. Real, okay, okay. See, mm-hmm. with Lamar. I, uh, I think I underestimated how his athleticism would actually carry him. Because I'm like, all right, this guy, there's no arguing that he is a Michael Vick type athlete. There's no arguing that. He has arm strength and arm talent. So at least he's going to make defenses guard the whole field. They're going to struggle with him because he can do so many things. But I'm like, he's not a good passer. He sucks outside the numbers. He sucks deep. So what's really going to happen here? And I was kind of confused because I'm like, I'd take him first round. But I'm not sure, like, what you 
what you what his success looks like, right? I think he's probably done a little better than I thought he would because I thought it was like I'm like I don't know if his passing will ever be up to NFL standards. It definitely is, but it's like it's not again like you said earlier. You don't want to plant him in the pocket and say, "All right, go to work." Like that's not his game. You you get his passing to succeed because he gets the defenses moving and because he gets everyone you know off balance, looking over their shoulder, like where did everyone like where's the receivers now? Where's Lamar? It just turns into backyard ball, and that's how he wins. And you um, have to play zone against them too, which allows those receivers to get yeah, behind you, you because if you them. if you go into man, you're He's now you're giving them the field. Yeah, you're giving them the field. <laughs> yeah. So you have to play zone. You have to. You do. And then with Josh Allen, I was always I, he's one of my proudest hits because I was like, this is this is the best quarterback in the draft. Take him, franchise guy. I just think like we talked about with Coach Tom two weeks ago, he was trying to do things with the football at Wyoming that yeah they would look they would appear incomplete on the stat sheet like they would go down as an incompletion, and I'm like, well, he threw, you know, up the seam and his guys covered. And he threw a back shoulder ball that if anyone could adjust to and make an actual play, that's a completion. And he's creative enough to see it and do it. But he's throwing to 5'10 white guys who are going to work at Costco. <laughs> like, no offense, but they, they can't make the plays that you need them to make. And he's Michael Jordan on the field. I mean, you could see it at Wyoming as well. He'll die for a first down. He'll die for his teammates. He, he'll sacrifice his body. He's also big enough to do it and make it work. There's just nothing he can't do. It was just, will he adjust his feet? Will his accuracy get a little tighter? And will the team actually... Yeah, and it all did. And it all did. And I've had so many misses, so it's not like, you know, I'm, I don't want to pat myself on the back too hard for Josh, but it's like some of those things where it's easy to see, like what, what you said earlier, you said there's three types of passers and there's some guys that are touch timing, some athletes, some arm. Josh is all three of those. Josh Allen is all of those things. And they've all come to fruition. And now he's this alien on the field and... You know, like Tom said, he's the best quarterback in the NFL to some people. Um, for me, he's right there with Mahomes. I think they're 1A and 1B, just like Drake yeah. May and uh, Caleb Williams could be in this class. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. The, the thing, too, that love him or hate him, Chris Sims, when I, I was talking to him at the combine, I think this is not this past year, but the year before. And I said, I just said, so when obviously you played quarterback, you've got the on field experience over me on on that one. So when you're watching a quarterback, what they're coming out of college, what you, what are you paying attention to? He's like, dude, just watch where the fucking ball goes. Like, where, where's the <laughs> ball go? Like, you know, don't look at don't look at the arm, don't look at all this. Don't where's the ball going? Is it going where it should be? He's and he brought that up about Josh Allen specifically, where he's like, Josh in Wyoming, he's making throws that should be completed. He like the ball yeah. is in the right place. It's in yes. the right place. Yes, and that's what that's what Chris Sims was saying. So it's just interesting to hear you regurgitate that point, not having heard that story. Um, <laughs> I like Chris, Chris Sims, Sims, by the way. I think it, all right, it, for our listeners, if if you hate Chris Sims, fine. He says some crazy stuff. Sometimes his rankings are outlandish and wild, whatever. But the main thing that I learn that I've learned about listening to a ton of different evaluators over time speak. Just listen to their process at least, or listen to like the little tidbits they give about a process of evaluation and learn from that because sometimes their rankings, they'll let's say all the things that you're like, Oh, I learned a lot from that today. I learned a lot of, you know, little information about the nuance that goes into this and blah, blah, blah. But then his rankings list comes out and you're like, I don't know how he got there. (laughs) That's fine. But just take away the positives from it. And this guy was on the field. He played NFL quarterback. He played at tech. Like he knows things 
that other people just aren't going to know. So learn and, from the. Process. I mean, his dad was a great quarterback too that he learned from. I mean, yes, there's a lot of good knowledge there that Chris. And the thing I think that I didn't like about Chris before I met him was I thought that he was superficial. Okay. And, and sort of you know just sort of fake. And when you meet him and you just sit, I ended up sitting in a bar with him after I met him for 45 minutes, and he was about like getting on a plane about to leave, and it was just killing time before he went to the airport. And like he, that's him. There is no other Chris Sims. That's him. You know, it, yeah. like he's not superficial. That's just him. That's just how he is. And take it, love it, hate it, don't care. Uh, I got all the respect in the world for him. Yeah. You know, because once I figured that out, it was sort of like, okay, no, he's he's actually a really cool guy. Yeah, he's got to listen to Mike Florio every day. I might say some outlander stuff if I had to work with him every day, but. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I might lose my sanity a little bit. Yeah, like, that, that makes it even cooler as he can do it and still say, still stay kind of sane. So, sheesh. Man. Yeah, no, yeah, Chris, Chris is fun. Chris is a fun dude to hang out with. But, anyways, last point that you wanted to kind of get to was the transfer portal and how that's helped quarterbacks moving up to the next level. Uh, yeah. Quarterbacks being able to get out of a system, go somewhere else, and get into another system, another set of coaches, it really does seem to help. Uh, you got a whole list of guys that we're going to watch this year and have a really good idea for. And I think I'm trying to remember, I know that there were transfers in last year's classes, Hendon Hooker, Virginia Tech, Tennessee. Uh, I know that there's others. I just can't think off the top of my head right now because I don't have that list. I'm going to pull that sometimes list. Our, sometimes the database in our head betrays us and all the info just turns into mush. Yeah, but... just it's – yeah. Uh, well, for this for this season though, I do have a list of guys that transfer that we can watch out for this season. So uh, yeah, will so hope will give me once Will Levis from Penn State to Kentucky. Oh, yeah, yep. Forgot about. Uh, there's one, there's I mean, one more. You could say Stetson Bennett, even though that was more of it. That was a JUCO. It goes to Georgia, goes to JUCO, comes back to Georgia. You could say Stetson Bennett. Yeah. Um, Lindsey Scott Jr. I know that he had some injury issues. He was at. Um, he was at some little crazy school, put up crazy numbers, and then went to Incarnate Word. Play was a one-year starter okay. at Incarnate Word. So, yeah, there, there were a few last year, but this year the transfer portal went absolute haywire. Yeah. <laughs> so like, there's I, a laundry list of them this year. <laughs> I mean, Caleb Williams is a prime example of the, the, the transfer portal, yeah. too, but I don't think people are – I think in a lot of people's minds, he's a USC guy because of Lincoln Rattley. It all kind of just makes sense there. But he started at Oklahoma. He started at Oklahoma, and now he's at USC. Tanner Mordecai was at SMU. Mm -hmm. He's on Wisconsin with Phil Longo as his OC now. I think uh, Purdue has Graham Harrell as their quarterback. Uh, Graham Harrell was the record-setting quarterback that threw to uh, Michael Crabtree at Texas Tech. He's been the offensive coordinator at USC. He runs a wide-open system, and he has Hudson Card, the Texas transfer at Purdue now. Hudson Card has some tools and traits. He could ball. Uh, DJ Ugiyalaliale from Clemson. Ugiyalaliale. Yep. He's at Oregon State now, and the Pac-12 yep. sucks this year. So DJ, if he can revive what he did his freshman year at Clemson, dude, we might see an actual NFL prospect because he's got the size, the mobility, the arm talent was wild his freshman year. Who's his head coach? Who is the head coach over there at Oregon State? Jonathan Smith, who – led Oregon to their first, I believe their first double-digit win seasons in back-to-back -back years with Dennis Erickson in 2001-2002. Okay. 
There you go. Good tidbit, Johnny. Good tidbit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Bo Nix at Oregon. Yeah. Michael from Auburn. Jr. at Washington. Yep. Quinn Ewers. From Indiana. Yep. Ewers is the one guy, I think. And there's a few, but I think Quinn Ewers is the one guy this year coming out, if he comes out this year, that could actually push May or Caleb Williams with a strong season. Like, I think Ewers, if he. Right now, it sounds crazy to say, but let's. If you no. picture what I you already were, said it, so it's okay. not crazy on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, I didn't, you, I didn't know you said that. Good <laughs> for you, buddy. We need to talk more throughout the week <laughs> <laughs> if our schedules permit it. But you know, schedules. <laughs> yeah, boy. Uh, no, but Quinn Ewers has size. I mean, the kid looks when he throws the ball; it's insane. He can do anything he wants with that football from any arm slot. Um, he looks. He looks the part of a top overall pick, and I think he's the one guy where you, you watched him, Jake May, and and Caleb Williams, you know, side by side by side. You would say like, I don't know who, who's better right now. If they're just throwing in shorts, they, they, these guys are crazy. How would I distinguish yeah. them apart? You know what I mean? He's if he puts it together, um, and you mentioned Spencer Rattler earlier. That Tennessee game he had last year playing for South Carolina was mm-hmm. unbelievable. I don't know what it was. I don't know if he can replicate and it then- this year. He followed it up at Clemson. Yeah. And then at Clemson, on the road at Clemson. And then followed it up with Notre Dame in the bowl game, too. So he had three games that were really unbelievable. He did. And I don't know what it looked like this year. I hope he maintains it because, I mean, he's super talented. The ball jumps out of his arm. He can, again, another guy who can throw from a lot of different arm slots is accurate. I mean, there's just a lot to like about his game. So uh, we saw Sam Hartman ball at Notre Dame the other night. Mm -hmm. You know, not a crazy opponent in Navy, but he did it. Joe Milton at Tennessee. Tennessee from Michigan. Strongest arm yep. I've ever seen in the history of mankind. Uh, it's um, crazy. It is a crazy arm. Absolutely. It's It'd be the best arm as soon as he walks in the lake. And I just said that about yeah. – I think I just said that about Anthony Richardson too. He was, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't say he's the best. I said he's top three. There's only two arms in the league right now that are on par with him. And it's Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. That's yes. it. Yes. Yeah, and then um, and Joe, Milton, Joe, Joe Milton's stronger than all three of them. So I think know. he is. Yeah, Joe Milton. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who made him or what made him, but steroids. Like, no, I'm just kidding. Way- <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> don't 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 sue me. <laughs> HPH in the in the crib. I don't know what he did, but uh, if he can put it together and actually learn to throw with some timing and anticipation, and yeah, he did. Against Vanderbilt and against Clemson. Yeah, we'll see. I want to see what he looks like for a full year. Yeah, Clemson. And then three more real quick. Jaden Daniels is at LSU. See if he has another Mm -hmm. big year. Transfer from Arizona State two years ago. Phil Jerkovic, Jerkovic, whatever. Uh, Boston College, he is now at Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. And then Shadur Sanders, you know, obviously his dad's Dion. They came over from Jacksonville State. He's at CU now. Um, CU opens up the year. Hey, I'm going to save you. I'm going to save you. It's Jackson State. Jackson State, my bad. Yeah, all the same. Very different school. The Very South. different school. <laughs> yeah, no, no, my mistake. Uh, Very but yeah, they, different school. I don't think anyone has a clue what Colorado is going to look like this year, myself included. And I live here. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I'm. I've tried to get some feelers out around the program and see what's going on. But I think it's the jury's out. We don't know what they're going to look like on offense or defense. How it's going to look if it is successful, like. Is it going to be him and Travis Hunter balling? Are they deep enough to really beat good teams? Can they compete with TCU? I think week one will tell us everything we need to know. If they get blown out by TCU or if they – they could lose, but if they hang in there, 
and we see like, oh, there's some, they could put some things together here. Like, you know, then we'll know. But um, Shadur Sanders is a legitimate NFL prospect with some real NFL tools. So, yeah, but again, these, is. all these guys we just mentioned, transfer portal guys that are able to and, kind of basically yep. be free agents because of that. So now the, the tough thing is, I think that there's some of these are not the same, you know, and, and the reason I bring that up is when you look at Caleb Williams, goes with the head coach on the transfer. So mm-hmm. while the location's different, nothing really changed for him. Yep. And I would make the argument the same could be said for uh, Shader as well. Yep. And, and it's because nothing really changed except the location. The last guy I'm going to point out too is Ewers. And it's hard to consider him a transfer because he, he intentionally re... Well, he intentionally reclassed to go, into, to go enroll into Ohio State. As the number one prospect, he was the number one prospect in the 2022 class. Yeah, that sounds right. And yeah. he reclasses to 2021 just as NIL is becoming a thing. He collects his paycheck at Ohio State and goes to where he was initially committed, Texas. So yep. go figure. So there's a lot of guys here that, I mean, those three guys, they kind of stand out from the rest because when you look at a guy like Hartman, he's going to Notre Dame with an intention. Hey, I'm getting away from this RPO slow mesh. I'm showing that I can play in an NFL system and I can yeah. I can run from under center. I can do all that stuff. Uh, Jaden Daniels goes from Arizona State to LSU. That's hey, I'm leaving this. I'm coming. I'm playing big boy ball in the SEC, and he wasn't bad. I think he still has one read issues and wants to run too fast. Yeah. Uh, you know, Phoenix, same sort of deal. Going to hey. I don't want to play in this system. I want it to be spread out. I want to show what I can do with my arm. I think the same could be said for Bo Nix. So those kind of guys, you know, that are going to show something, they're trying to show something they already haven't. I think that's where they stand out as different in the transfer portal, as opposed to the guys that just followed a coach or, you know, their dad or whatever that is. So, I mean, you can make the argument, say that Lincoln Riley is probably the figurative uh, father of Caleb Williams at this point. So, uh, (laughs) I think you're right, bro. <laughs> Another, you know, who's getting a lot of hype right now? That I, I, I don't think this player is the sum of his parts. But I'm glad he transferred. And I'm glad he looks good. Is Bo Nix? He's getting mm-hmm. a lot of top like twenty talk right now. Yeah, I, I don't think I he. I don't. It. I don't think he's all that. But yeah, I don't. Here, know if I see hey, it. hey, here's another transfer. Actually, Austin Reed. Oh, Western uh, Kentucky. Western Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Came up from West Florida. Went to the Division 1A for a while. Uh, I mean, I said 1A. <laughs> Look at that. Uh, FCS. I forget where yeah. he was because I don't have it in front of me right now. But then he went to Western Kentucky. Yeah. So he's been a two, Division 2, FCS, and FBS. And he's put up numbers everywhere he's been to. And that's just showing consistency, growing with the times. Um, you know, those kind of guys. Cameron Ward is another one. Transferred from uh, Incarnate Word. Went to no, Washington, Washington State. State. Yep. Yep. Second year there. Keaton. Do you know where Spencer Keaton Sanders Slovis is now? Yeah, Slovis oh, is BYU. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's suits BYU. Him for some reason. Okay. Yep. Right. BYU. So not yeah. an NFL prospect, but yeah, just curious. <laughs> I'm just curious, you know. I, I don't think he's in the I'm just curious. Yeah, no, that. I heard I heard some stuff about him from Pittsburgh that I won't repeat, but let's just say that Pittsburgh wasn't too impressed with him. So. Off camera. Anyways. I think that's going to about wrap up the show today, guys. And so next week, hey, we got actually have two positions before we get into offensive line because I know that you just love talking about the offensive line, and I'm going to take the point on those episodes when we get to them. But 
we got two other positions to get into. We've and we can probably flex it into three. We've got edge rushers and we've got defensive tackles. We might even be able to flex it into four, honestly. Defensive tackles, nose tackles, four three defensive ends, hand in the dirt, three four edge rushers, Hassan Reddick types, rush edge. That's four episodes. So we got more we got more defense on the horizon as we've pretty much wrapped up every every skill position on the offense. Uh wanna thank everybody for tuning in, Justin. You want to? You got a last message for the audience out there? Uh, no. Listen, subscribe. Um, you know, give us some tips, some comments. Let us know what you like, what you didn't like, what you want to hear us talk about. Ask us questions. Uh, you know, whatever, whatever adds to the show. We just, I think it's just fun for us sometimes to just freestyle and kind of talk about ball and get each other's opinions on things. So, you know, listen, give us some tips and pointers. And hopefully you got some pointers and you got some tips too. This has been the sick podcast with draft Vogel. Thank you for tuning in Shane. Let's get out of here. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast with draft Vogel on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google play and Apple podcasts.